Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast. Ben Micellus joined by Brett and Jordy Micellus. We hope you all had an incredible Midas, mighty 4th of July weekend. And you knew that the Midas Touch brothers have been incredibly busy. I'm sure you've seen our Loser Palooza plane fly over the Trump loser Palooza rally in (laughs) Sarasota. And we've been busy with our flyover, with our billboard in Vegas, with uh, we had a uh, truck going around uh, Wisconsin with Ron Johnson from Wisconsin talking about how Ron Johnson celebrates his fourth in Russia. We got ads playing in Colorado explaining how Bobbert and others support the insurrection. Um, brothers, we've been pretty busy. It's been a busy fourth. There are no days off in the world of Midas Touch, and that's how it's got to be. When our democracy is on the line, when they go low, we put planes over their loser rallies. Right. <laughs> I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, talk to talk to everyone, Brett, about loser Palooza, kind of its origins and the uh, response that we received to it. It's a national news story. We're behind it. So I think we should probably talk about um, the news we're involved in at the top of our podcast. I think that's I think that'd be smart. First off, I want to say, Jordy, how you doing, man? Coming off the birthday. You feeling older today? What's I'm sure he looks older today. I'm feeling good. I feel I feel a whole year older. It was a great holiday weekend. Like you said, we take no days off here at Midas Touch. We were we were moving and grooving. One of the coolest things about this weekend was when we kept putting out, you know, different videos of different things that we were doing each day and seeing, you know, people's reactions to it. It that's what I love about this, man. Before jumping into loser palooza, I do want to talk about who out. What'd you say, JR? No, no, that's fine. No, I wasn't done. I clearly wasn't done finishing my thought, but go on. No, go. Please go. Please go on. <laughs> I, thought, I assumed you were done. Before talking about Loser Palooza, whatever Jordy was going to say right there, I do want to talk about who our guest is going to be on the pod. We have Grant Woods, Arizona's former attorney general from 1991 to 1999. One of the incredible things about Grant Woods is that he used to be a Republican. He was a Republican attorney general. Um, I've worked with Grant. Uh, He's a lawyer. And so I've worked with Grant on cases. Um, He always, when he was a Republican, identified as a progressive Republican. I mean, as as a progressive person pushing forward progressive ideas, which is just so wild to think that there's someone like that in Arizona, who was the Arizona attorney general. He preceded Janet Napolitano. Um, he was very close with John McCain. He was actually John May- John McCain's chief of staff in Congress. But we are going to speak to Grant Woods about all the GQP-ing taking place in Arizona, whether there is hope. And I think we'll find that there is hope in that state and what we're seeing with these fraudits and these Arizona cyber ninjas. So crazy. Right? So crazy. Arizona, we're going to get a first at the same time, like a place that first off, Republicans are losing elections left and right. They've lost every Senate seat. They've lost the presidency there. Yet the Republicans are doubling down on the efforts that have made them lose the suburbs and lose voters just all over the place. So I'm excited to talk to Grant about his former party and see what the hell is going on. Yeah, in Arizona. I, I, I want to give our listeners 
I want to go behind the scenes. You don't hear this stuff when you're watching CNN or MSNBC or even when you're reading about it, whether you're reading about it on social media or in whatever online digital print you have. We're going to really have a conversation with a former Republican, now a Democrat. It was Arizona's attorney general. And we're going to really talk about what is going on in that state. And you are going to be having more knowledge than ever before. But let's talk about loser palooza. Jordy. Jordy. I really need to get my inhaler. I really can't breathe right now. I'll be right back. So Jordy's going to go get his inhaler right now. And for those who uh, know, you know, these shows are not live, but we like to give you the live feel about them. Um, Jordy has his dog, Mellow, Midas Mellow. Jordy is allergic to his dog, Midas Mellow. And Jordy, uh, Jordy, I think you got to take the puff of the inhaler closer to the microphone so everybody can yeah, hear what's take going that on. Puff, Jordy, <laughs> so everyone, the people got to hear it. Mighty, dude, my, hear asthma, my fucking asthma has been so bad. I don't know if it's because it's so hot where I am right now, but it's just been brutal over the last like week and a half. So strange. Jordy, it's a change of seasons. You have a gigantic dog that you're allergic <laughs> to. Nothing so to do it's with probably, him. It's probably an assortment of things. But let's talk loser palooza. Um, I will get you up to speed while Jordy is suffering with breathing. So loser palooza, the idea, you probably even heard it, you know, if you're a listener to this podcast, uh, a few weeks ago on the pod, we were talking about these Trump events. And I think I flippantly threw out the phrase loser palooza. And we all laughed about the phrase. And as we kind of thought on that, I'm not sure if you remember, I forget where it was. I forget if it was Iowa or exactly what state, but Trump held a rally then uh, last year. And they, somebody put a sign out front that said something like super spreader event here and had an arrow pointing to the Trump rally that everybody was going to. And so our initial thought was, let's put up a billboard that says loser palooza tour. And it would be, the concept would be more like one of those, you know, now it's, you know, the 80s music videos, like a greatest hits album, you know, like come to loser palooza and hear Trump whine about election fraud and talk about Hillary Clinton's emails and Hunter Biden, you know, all the greatest hits, loser palooza, you know, and then with like all the tour dates. The idea kind of started as that. And then as we spoke with one, one another and we spoke with um, Adam Parkamenko, who's a part of our team, we we're all just discussing ideas and going back and forth. And I think it might have been Adam who said, what if we fly a plane over the event? And we were just like, you could do we could actually fly a plane over the event as it's going on. We we're like, yeah, the guy's not president anymore. There's no restricted airspace. You could fly a plane right over the loser palooza event. And we said, perfect, we're good. let's do this. And the entire day, we were just glued to our phones as we were in touch with the pilot because it was a, there wasn't great weather in Florida that day. So we were getting all the reports. It looks like it's going to rain. Uh, we're not sure if it's going to be able to take off. And really, until the plane took off, we weren't sure it was going to happen. And then the plane takes off. We get the first photos of the actual plane in the sky. The pilot was so incredible, so awesome, the team that we worked for to do this. And then he was able to fly like the entire time over the Trump rally as Trump was speaking. 
So as this guy is droning on and on, and then the reports start coming in that the plane is sighted and then reports start coming in as people are watching it on like Newsmax or whatever one network was playing it, that people throughout the speech kept looking up, looking away from Trump, were distracted, were leaving the rally early because of the plane noise from the top. And this is something that we haven't spoken talked about publicly yet, but the Secret Service, actually, because Trump still has Secret Service protection, actually contacted our pilot directly and basically informed him that although he has the right to be in the airspace, that the people throwing the event, aka the the Trump, uh, whoever's in Trump's crew these days, were very upset about the plan. (laughs) They were incredibly, incredibly upset by the plane. It was hurting their feelings. They wanted it to go away. And so the Secret Service agent was asking our pilot, telling him, you know, that he has to leave the airspace. They were, um, the way our pilot took it was that he was being threatened by Secret Service to leave the airspace immediately. But Ben, you spoke to the Secret Service agent. And what did yeah, you one, find I'm, out? I, I, I'm going to do a further investigation to determine if it's truly the Secret Service. I, I think it was. It was someone named Brian with the Baltimore area code who was very reluctant to tell me his last name. You could tell who owns these planes because of their tail number. They have a, a tail number that you could quickly find out who owns it, who it belongs to. And so likely someone on the ground found out who it belonged to. Um, I don't know if it was, you know, it's definitely not a Secret Service, you know, approved effort um, to do this. I mean, it was probably someone in Trump's detail who was trying to flex and call the friend, you know, in the service in Baltimore, who then called our pilot and threatened our pilot. They weren't as nice as you said, Brett. That's what he told me when I confronted him with it, that it was not restricted airspace, but that the people were being annoyed. He had told our pilot he must leave immediately, giving our pilot the implication that it was, in fact, restricted airspace when it was not. A former president especially a traitorous one, although that's not actually what has to do with it. But a former president who's giving rallies like that as part of his grifting political group that he's fucking running so that he could make millions of dollars for himself, which is where all that money is basically funneled. That doesn't get protection whatsoever at the end of the day, zero protection from that. And so you know, there were people who were basically saying like there was just one person on the YouTube video that was circulating that says <laughs> it's absolutely unreal. The guy's name. First off, the guy who wrote this name is J-Dub. So take J-Dub. your source with a grain of salt. <laughs> it's absolutely unreal that a plane can fly over a no fly zone for almost an hour without being forced out of the sky. It seemed like people were leaving due to the continuous flyovers made by this plane. It even flew back (laughs) to the airport to refuel and came back. I know this because the airport is within a few miles and I live across the street and watched it fly into the airport. So it was allowed to take off again after landing with no repercussions. Unreal. Let me just be very clear. It's not restricted airspace. You know, former presidents retire in dignity. Um, They have a Secret Service detail. They don't give rallies talking about how elections are rigged and um, and undermining our democracy. Admitting to crimes. (laughs) Yeah, that was not that was not Trump's airspace. And look, in the wake of that happening as well, Brett, you know, I'm not sure if you saw, but we have CNN obtaining uh, additional recordings. We know about the recordings, obviously, um, in Georgia, um, which we heard. But these are now recordings in Arizona, which is also one of the reasons why we're talking to Grant Woods on the podcast. But these are, you know, Giuliani's like just a big fucking idiot. Like Giuliani, 
you know, would do these would would not just engage in election tampering for which he's now been has had his law license suspended in New York and he's likely going to be um, disbarred. But like when Giuliani would engage in this election tampering, he would like leave messages, and, you know, as did Trump, like you would hear them <laughs> on the recordings. They just admit the- to crimes. That's their they're like, yes, this is Rudy Giuliani calling uh, here, here to call in a crime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're so right. <laughs> and we'll talk about this like more later in the podcast. We get to some other subjects, but they literally do just that. They, they admit to the crime. It's look, it's still a crime if you do it out loud and you do it like it's not a crime, like leaving a voicemail as you're committing a crime, just because you're intentionally leaving evidence doesn't make it any less criminal. So this Rudy Giuliani message was a, this is a voicemail to GOP Maricopa County Supervisor Bill Gates. No relation to Microsoft Bill Gates. But let's hear what Rudy had to say about the election. Bill, it's Rudy Giuliani, uh, President Trump's lawyer. If you get a chance, would you please give me a call? I have a few things I'd like to talk over with you. Maybe we can get this thing fixed up. You know, I really think it's a shame that Republicans sort of were both in this kind of situation. And I think there may be a, a nice way to resolve this for, for everybody. Hey, Mr. Gates, uh, this is Rudy Giuliani calling in to uh, commit a crime here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like I was wondering, so this whole election thing, this was done right after, you know, in the, in the midst of all the election chaos with Trump. So, you know, I think there's a way that we could fix this. So why don't you talk to me? Once again, in case uh, any prosecutors are listening to this, this is Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump's lawyer calling in case there is any debate about who was. Did you see, message. Brett, the uh, excerpt from the uh, it's going to be the new Michael Wolf book. Michael Wolf wrote one of the kind of initial um, Trump exposés in the presidency. Do you remember that? Like literally, you know, Michael Wolf was like, you know, has written these like exposés on people before. And like, tr- what was the first one called? Was it called? Was it Fire and Fury? I think it was called was yes. was inside the Trump White House. Right. Um, Fire and Fury. And like Trump gave the guy like complete access to, to, to everybody and just like admitted to all of the crimes on the record. And Michael Wolf published a book. I read Michael Wolf's book on Rupert Murdoch. Also, he did a good he's, he's actually a really, really good writer, Michael Wolf. But he has a new book coming out, Landslide, the final days of the Trump presidency. We'll actually try to get Michael on this podcast. Um, but the London, the Times of London release some expert excerpts about how annoyed I'm sure you've seen this Brent and Jordy, how annoyed um, Trump is that Giuliani has the audacity of trying to get paid for all of that work he was doing, like those voicemails. And um, Trump was under the impression that Giuliani was working for him uh, for free. Um, and Giuliani wants to get paid. The Trump family, according to the excerpts, has completely cast out and cut off Giuliani. The book doesn't say which members did that, but uh, there's clearly now a rift between Giuliani and Trump because this is Trump's MO. He doesn't pay people and then he cuts them off when they become legal liabilities for him. So it's a one way everybody with loyalty with with Trump. And that's why I don't understand why everyone thinks that they are going to be different. That, oh, yeah, all literally everyone who's come into contact with this man has left on bad terms and has been screwed over, royally screwed over. But I'm going to be different. I'm, I'm part of the family. That's what these people think. And they get roped in. And I think I just want to do a, a, a run now of basically everyone in Trump, the Trump orbit admitting to crimes. We already heard Rudy Giuliani admitting to crimes here at the Loser Palooza is Donald Trump admitting 
to the crimes that Alan Weisselberg and the Trump organization was charged with. And yet they go after good, hardworking people for not paying taxes on a company car. Company car. You didn't pay tax on the car or a company apartment. You used an apartment because you need an apartment because you have to travel too far where your house is and didn't pay tax or education for your grandchildren. I don't even know. Do you have to? But does anybody know the answer to that stuff? Okay. Okay. so there's Trump admitting to the crimes laid out in the indictment against Alan Weisselberg, just flat out admitting it and probably expanding the investigation by admitting that he was very much involved in this process. What do you, I mean, Weisselberg's got to be just slamming his head <laughs> on his desk. You're like, what is going on? Just shut up. It's the craziest thing. And then didn't Don Jr. do some shit this weekend too, Brett? If that wasn't enough, Jordy, you're exactly right. Here's Don Jr. Yeah, they, they, they dressed up the indictment, obviously. They dress it up. They make it look really serious. They say he didn't pay taxes on $1.7 million worth of stuff over 16 years. So that's to New York State Eight percent of that, $136,000. Half of that was because my father paid for his grandchildren's school in New York City. So you take that out. It amounts to about five grand a month. That's what they promised. They brought in outside prosecutors. They teamed up with the attorney general of New York State to do this. Okay, so now Don Jr. just implicated his grand, uh, his kids. <laughs> and then, and then just, to tie just this because you <laughs> say it, just because you say it in a condescending tone doesn't make it less criminal. You're still admitting to it what is going on and then to tie this all together people started uh quoting an article which now has resurfaced where trump gave an impromptu interview to the new york times in uh december of 2017 where he stated that he knows taxes quote better than the greatest cpa <laughs> uh, and then oh he knows the tech. yeah that's his hubris gonna that hubris is gonna bite him in the fucking ass because i think what he was doing and ben you might have a you know another legal opinion on this but i think what he was doing by saying that out loud in that speech was trying to kind of begin a defense of who knows this stuff the tax code is so complicated how are you even supposed to know if it, do you know that you're supposed to pay taxes on this stuff i mean who even knows and try to act like it wasn't a malicious attempt to defraud and to evade taxes and you know uh eric never wants to be uh you know left out of the mix here he doesn't get enough attention as is so eric uh, also decided to run his mouth <laughs> Stop. I didn't see the Eric clip. Eric got in on this? Dude, the whole family like took to the new, like the lawyers must have just been, in addition to Weisselberg, like, dude, you have the right to remain silent. You don't have to go on Newsmax. You don't have to go on Fox News. You don't have to go admitting to all your crimes. You could just shut the hell up, which is usually your best legal option. But let's hear whiny Eric. Well, these are employment perks. These are, you know, these are, um, you know, a, a corporate car, which everybody has. I guarantee you there's mm -hmm. people on this network that has corporate cars. I guarantee you there's people in every company in the country that have corporate vehicles this is what they're going after this isn't a criminal matter this is you know it's really interesting raymond after the financial crisis right they didn't go after a single person on wall street despite the fact that these people were literally they took down the u.s economy but they'll go down they'll go after somebody after fringe employment benefits mm. is that really what the da is focused on is little girls are getting shot in the middle of times square mm. they'll go after a corporate vehicle and a corporate apartment 
Give me a break. Guys, there are other crimes. So you know why, what, why are they coming after us when there are other crimes out there? Hey, this is a corporate crime, okay? This is a corporate crime. I don't know why they're going after somebody who's corporate. It has the word corporate in front of it, right? Look, this is all speculation, but hearing these clips back to back to back, it feels like Trump, his kids have the marching orders. Admit to the crime. Pretend you don't know it's a crime out there into the world. Weisselberg, he was our CFO. He needs to know the tax law. But if we outwardly pretend that we don't know these are crimes and we say it with like hubris and and, and all these condescending tones, we might get off here. And Jordy, all speculation. but But I think you're spot on. And where the plan falls flat is the quote that Ben read, where he says, Trump knows better than the CFO about taxes. (laughs) We will follow up and see what happens there. I mean, look, as we talked about on legal AF, this was the first 15 count indictment. And oftentimes there are superseding indictments. And I predict there will be superseding indictments with additional counts that are going to be added. These are the charges that are brought now and they're often brought strategically. And so whether Cy Vance thought that, you know, Trump was going to give him, you know, uh, that great material at loser palooza, you know, I, I think Cy was was smart in filing a 15 count indictment. Um, but did Cy truly predict that he was going to get that um, I, d- I don't know. But at the end of the day, it puts pressure on Weisselberg because, you know, Sai saying, look, we've got 50 to 100 other counts waiting for you. And uh, you, you saw how Trump handled those first 15. Wait until we do the next 15 and the next 15 and the next 15. You may as well be, you know, one of the things that Sai could be saying to is, look, we have a lot worse shit on you than these 15 counts. But We'll let you plead guilty to four or five of them right now, but you need to do X, Y, and Z, or we'll do a superseding indictment. We'll just keep tacking on 15 new counts every two months uh, for you, Mr. Weisselberg. (laughs) And that's what I actually think is going on behind the scenes here. Now, this weekend as well, we want to thank everybody who has been going out and getting the Midas Touch merch, the Vaxxed and Relaxed bracelets, the Midas Touch t-shirts. I don't know if you saw Reality Winner was wearing the Midas Touch Truth is Golden shirt. Do you see that? I had the biggest smile on my face uh, when they sent that to us and when they posted it. I mean, how incredible for a person who still is, but on home confinement, a political prisoner persecuted for doing something that I think is something very noble. I know a lot of people could disagree about the methods and whistleblowers in general, but she exposed the Russian interference into our election and really is directly responsible for a lot of the upgraded security in our election system to prevent foreign actors from hacking into our systems and and changing votes and and doing everything. She was the one who called attention to all that when Trump was denying it. Yeah, go back and listen to our reality winner special that we did with her family and some of her advocates um, that we did a few, you know, several months back. Um, And so it was so great to see full circle her being released from prison, even if she's on home confinement, wearing a Midas Touch Truth is Golden shirt. And you can get your Midas Touch Truth is Golden shirts and Midas Touch merch by going to store.midastouch.com. But I want to tell you about how our, you know, how we run and operate our um, small business. And it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for stamps.com. 
Are you really still going to the post office? Are you really still paying full price for postage? Thanks to stamps.com, you just don't have to do that anymore. Simple. Mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. That is what we do at Midas Touch, and that's how we operate here. Let's face it. You all know. You all know. I don't want to leave this six by six room. You all know I don't want to get out of here. You, you know, the more I could do while I'm at home, the more we could accomplish, and the more we could focus on what's important, and that's making everybody who buys our products happy and doing all the great work we do at Midas Touch. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. It's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending invoices, whether you're doing a side hustle, shipping out orders, or whether you're just navigating the hybrid of work life, stamps.com can handle it all with ease. No wonder over 1 million businesses choose stamps.com for their mailing and shipping. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to spend. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop off. It is that simple. Stop wasting time going to the post office. Go to stamps.com instead, and there's no risk. And with our promo code MIDAS, M-E-I-D-A-S, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type MIDAS, that's stamps.com, promo code MIDAS, stamps.com. Never go to the post office again and hit us up on Twitter and confirm that you went to stamps.com and typed in the promo code Midas. And we will retweet and say thank you to you. That's stamps.com, promo code Midas. And now we have an extraordinary guest. Arizona has become the epicenter of Trump cult conspiracy theories, spewing election lies that the election was stolen that ballots are being harvested from bamboo and 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 other crazy conspiracies of Hugo Chavez overturning the election. All of these crazy conspiracies were apparently blessed. And we know this and we talk about this on the podcast by the Arizona state legislature who enabled a group of people called the cyber ninjas from Florida to come in and basically tamper with the entire election to further Donald Trump's ego. How did this happen in Arizona, the state of great attorney generals like Janet Napolitano, who became the governor and then became a great leader within the Democratic Party? And with great leaders as well, like Grant Woods, the former Arizona attorney general. And we have Grant Woods on the show. And Grant, I want to be very clear that none of this has to do with you whatsoever. Grant (laughs) was the attorney general from 1991 to 1999 in Arizona. Grant was a former chief of staff to McCain and was very close to the late great senator uh, John McCain and Grant formally identified as a Republican um, before, of course, Donald Trump's 
uh, invective and horrible form of politics. Grant called Trump out in 2016 and in 2020. Um, And it is an honor to have Grant on the Midas Touch podcast today. And I'll say this about Grant. It is fortunate for me to have Grant as a colleague, um, as well as I work on uh, cases with Grant. So with that introduction, Grant Woods, Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for uh, for all you're doing as well. It's uh, very exciting. And you had some uh, big victories over the weekend, uh, <laughs> which we all loved. Uh, That's fantastic. That is the world's sorriest, tired, vaudeville-type routine that Trump is doing now. I mean, it's a little bit like um, Sunset Boulevard and... Um, you know, the stories of the aging, washed up actor or person who just can't take it, you know, and they're ready for their close up and the crowds are dwindling and they're doing the same old tired bit, even though the world has hopefully moved on. It's sad, but it was nice for you all to spotlight them with the um, loser label. <laughs> yeah, we thought loser palooza was the appropriate label. And when we see What's going on with these cyber ninjas in Arizona? Yeah. I think loser palooza is the appropriate label there. I mean, you have these, you know, uh, Republican Senate legislatures who would probably be this, the people who would be buying VIP tickets, frankly, to show up in Sarasota, in Sarasota, bringing their kids and bringing their family and buying the QAnon shirts and the three percenter shirts. I mean, yeah. that's that's Republican legislatures in your state right now, too. So yeah. how did that happen? I, I believe for most of my lifetime, and at least since the, I would say, since the 90s, uh, from the 90s on, the legislature in Arizona has been very much out of touch with the, the general public. And that's a product, I think, of, the, of gerrymandering. And uh, the fact that um, if you don't have a general election, if you don't have real competition, then you only worry about the primary and you worry about that during the primary. But you also only worry about primary challenges while you're governing. And that's um, yet another reason for to get rid of gerrymandering and to go to independent commissions. We've gone to an independent commission in Arizona. It doesn't uh, it hasn't worked as well as we'd hoped. I was chair of that. We we pass that by a vote of the people. Uh, We need competition is what we need. So uh, back to the 90s, um, when I was attorney general, I battled with the legislature uh, constantly. Early on, we had we had a lot of victories in civil rights and um, and some environmental victories. And then for the last Arizona, by the way, was the first state. You can win a bar bet with this. What was the first state to pass a comprehensive hate crimes law. You you wouldn't pick Arizona, Arizona probably, but it was Arizona. (laughs) That was our bill, and and we passed it in 1992. And it included sexual orientation, which was uh, pretty amazing, uh, looking back on it. But after that, they were tough. Um, My point, I guess, is I used to think it got so bad that by my last year, I told my office, I'm not going down there. I just refuse. They're too nutty. I, I don't want to, I'm wasting my time. Now, looking back on it, those were kind of the glory days. Right. <laughs> those are the real, real leaders. I mean, we just disagreed on policy. We didn't disagree on facts. 
So that's what's happened to the Republican Party, I think, in Arizona and and nationally. Um, we always had to deal with a fringe in the Republican Party. There was a there was a segment of it, the Kelly Ward, who's now the chairman. Um, that segment of it was around and they were nuts. They were conspiracy theorists. And, you know, I, I, I won twice as a Republican statewide on a civil rights environment consumer agenda. So I had to deal with these people. And um, but they were you could they were marginalized. Now they've taken over. Now Kelly Ward is the chairman. She was viewed as kind of a nut. She, she held hearings when she was in the legislature on um, chemtrails that that was some sort of, you know, mass conspiracy harming people rather than just the natural trail that a jet leaves behind when it flies over. So before she's laughed at, now she's in charge. So they they did this gambit and you know, I think I think legally mistakes were made. Uh, we we have a board of supervisors here in Arizona, which was um, is a four one Republican split, and they've been amazing uh, in standing up to these people and standing up for what's right. It's easy for me. I'm not in office. Haven't been in office in a long time. It's not, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's not, but but it's easier uh, because they are in office and they you know they have to face these people on a regular basis, and yet they've stood up to them. However. They, I think the court case, when they went to court on whether they could do this uh, uh, so-called audit, and it's not even close to an audit, um, I think they kind of botched it up, to be honest with you. And um, there, there's a federal law uh, that says that you ha- they have to maintain possession of these ballots for 22 months. And uh, that was not cited to the judge. I think the judge was looking for something like that. It wasn't cited. And then they uh, chose not to appeal. And at, at that point in time, they could have raised it because they realized they hadn't raised it, but they kind of wanted to like, eh, let's stop on this and just let them go. How bad can it be? And little did they know, yeah, it, it's been horrific. The ballots, you know, the last we heard were in a cabin in Montana. And that's not a joke. This is the, my ballot. I voted in Maricopa County. My ballot is in a cabin in Montana. And that sounds like the conspiracies that they spew, but it actually happens. You know, there's people in a log cabin in Alaska. Like, no, no, no. They actually put it in a log cabin. um, And and, and this is what they did. Was there a moment, Grant, and you previously were, you know, very close with and you always were very close with McCain until his passing. Was there a moment along the way, though, when you said, you know what? Um, the wackos have fully taken over the Republican Party. I'm no longer a Republican anymore. And then did you say, you know what, as between a Republican and a Democrat, there's only one party that stands for democracy now. So I guess I'm a Democrat. When John McCain passed, there was really uh, very few, if any, people stood up after him. I mean, they, they just went along with it. That was the problem. I endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2016 as a Republican. As a, and I think I was the only, I know I was the only Republican attorney general, past or, or present, who did that. It was very unpopular, I have to say. <laughs> I was taken aback by the degree of unpopularity. But I said at the time that I thought that Donald Trump was a, uh, not only the least qualified person to ever be nominated for president, 
running against a person, Hillary Clinton, who I thought was one of the most qualified people ever to run for president. Uh, but he was in, and this is what was on the front page of the paper. I thought he was an existential threat to the democracy of the United States. I said that then, but uh, he was a, he's, he was a thousand times worse than I thought he would be. So that's how bad I, I think he is. And, and yet, elected Republicans followed along then and now for the most part. And so the idea of fighting Trump, I was all for that. I, you know, I fought the religious right. I fought the Tea Partiers. I mean, it's always been a battle. I've always been to the left of my uh, party as a Republican. I needed them to move toward the center. But this is something different. This was this was all of a sudden, well, obviously they don't believe in any of these principles. Trump is not a conservative. He's not a libertarian. Trump is all about Trump. He's a megalomaniac who does whatever he thinks will help him. Uh, he's um, He is an autocrat. He's a very, very, very dangerous person. And so the fact that they would go along with it, I said, well, that's it. Now, in Arizona, a third of the electorate is independent. So the natural place for me to be would be as an independent. So why did I go Democrat? One, I was looking when the governor ended up appointing Martha McSally, who had lost her Senate race, back into the Senate. Uh, and she was a complete Trumper. And the Democrats were it really didn't have anyone that I thought could win. I did. I was looking at that race. Fortunately, not that I wanted to run. I did not want to run. But I definitely wasn't didn't want McSally to stay in there. Right. But then Mark Kelly came along and he's, you know, really a tremendous candidate. So that ended. That was perfect. But at the same time, Joe Biden came along and as a as a presidential candidate and so that was a natural for me to be a democrat supporting biden i've known biden for a long time through mccain i knew bo biden pretty well i was a friend of bo's and i just think the world of the bidens and um that was an easy one i wanted to help joe win i also thought that and i bought the record from day one i never wavered by the way he was my first choice I thought that Joe Biden was the only one who would defeat Trump. And that was a minority view among Democrats because Democrats made the mistake that Hillary made, which was Trump is so bad, there's no way he can win. I mean, he's, it's preposterous how bad he is. And so of course we're going to win whoever we put up. That I guess living in Arizona, I knew that wasn't true. Joe Biden could win, a moderate uh, centrist could win, uh, someone to the left of Biden could not win Arizona. I was surprised it was as close as it was in Arizona. It's 11,000 votes. So. so that's why I switched over. And I'm very happy being in Joe Biden's Democratic Party, where it goes beyond that. I don't like either party, to be honest with you. I think they're both. <laughs> <laughs> that's where a career of politics is taken. I don't really like any party. But as between Republican fascists and Joe Biden Democrats, I'm going right. to pick Joe Biden Democrats. <laughs> Where's Arizona right now? And I know, you know, um, it's tough to make sweeping generalizations. Yeah. I mean, we hear, you know, these stories about cyber ninjas and a lot of the news out there is about voter suppression laws. And look, the Democrats did make significant gains there um, and have been making significant gains. And as they do, um, the Republican legislature out there, as as you allude to, just 
gets beyond the crazy of the crazy that they already were. Are there positive trends, though, as we approach 2022 and 2024? And maybe you can talk to that. Sure. And and, and I do think uh, I think it mirrors the country somewhat. I think in the long term, there's very little future for the Republican Party unless they change. The demographics say that and the demographics combined with the ideology, uh, if there is one amongst Republicans. In other words, running uh, based upon antiquated notions of the role of government uh, and on uh, hate and discrimination and suppression, uh, there's no future in that in the long term. So that's why I think Republicans are focused on the short term, which is uh, how do we win a year from now? And how do we win three years from now? Because we know we're not going to win unless we can somehow rig this system along the way. Uh, so I, I think that's where we're at here. Um, in Arizona, yeah, tremendous. Uh, uh, we're in this, we're right there. Maricopa County is one of the largest counties in the country. It's where Phoenix is. Phoenix is the fifth largest city in the country. It's, uh, I don't know what exactly it is, but I'm going to say it's almost majority uh, Latino right now. Now, again, you can't take that vote for, for granted. Uh, we learned that in, in Florida, but it's different here. Uh, it's pretty solid Democrat and, I, and should stay pretty solid Democrat if, if it's a Joe Biden type Democratic Party. So that's a, that's a great demographic. Uh, it's, so we're getting younger, uh, more Latino. I think for, you know, you're going to see nationally for the first time that the baby boomer generation, which is my generation, is in the minority in the next presidential election. That hasn't been true for ever, you know, since we came in, since, since we could start voting, basically. And uh, I, think, I think that change inures to the Democratic Party for the reasons that I said. We, in Arizona, we've elected two, you know, two Democratic uh, senators. When John McCain passed, we had two Republican senators and had for some time. Mm-hmm. But I, I, one thing for everybody to keep in mind is, like I said, Arizona, I believe, has always been much more moderate than the legislature reflected. And Arizona has had some great leaders and some complete idiots. For a while there, I was calling for mediocrity now. You know, if we could just have some <laughs> mediocrity, because they're either great, like a Mo Udall or a John McCain, Barry Goldwaters, people of this caliber, or they were awful you know, the Joe Arpaios and people like that. So um, I, I think, I, I, so look back on it. Uh, you know, I was elected attorney general uh, two out of two times on a, on a very uh, progressive uh, agenda and not just, yeah, and I carried out that agenda. I was succeeded as a, attorney general by Janet Napolitano, a Democrat. She was succeeded by Terry Goddard, a Democrat for uh, former mayor of, of Phoenix uh, for two terms. Janet was elected and reelected governor uh, as a Democrat. It's just so wild to hear you say that you were elected as a Republican on a progressive agenda. Yeah, well, yeah it's unheard of now, right? <laughs> it's unheard of then, too. But, uh, you know, um, I think I slipped in, basically. My Democratic opponent ran to the right of me, by the way, because I, it, it's even worse than that. I'll just throw a couple more things out there besides that agenda. Pro, I'm pro-choice. That was a big deal, at least when I was running on the other side in a Republican primary. Many times I would knock on doors. I would hand them my uh, brochure and the person would say, I could only vote for someone who's pro-life. Are you pro-life? And I said, no, I'm pro-choice. And 
give me that brochure back because that costs money. And uh, I mean, it was just the way it was. But also Martin Luther King holiday was on the on the ballot that year. I was for it. The party was against it. English only was on the ballot. I was against that. They were for it. So how did you how'd you get an R next to your name then? I'm just <laughs> well because I believe the Republican Party needed to needed to go that direction, and so my spiel was always uh, you know civil rights. Well, first Abe Lincoln was a Republican. To me, civil rights is about the Constitution. I was chairman of the Civil Rights Committee for all the attorneys general throughout my uh, throughout the 90s uh, as a Republican from Arizona. And we did great things. We, we really did. I think our record is unmatched in the history of attorneys general. But again, I view it as the Constitution. We're not, we're not talking about anything unusual. We're talking about treating people fairly and not discriminating against people based upon race or religion or disability or gender or national origin or, um, uh, or sexual orientation. That was true then. It's true now. And it'll be true always. That's what our Constitution should require. Uh, environment. Why can't a Republican be pro-business and pro-environment. I think, I think that's good for the country. Well, it goes out to this notion of conservative, which is what you mentioned earlier, and it's something that we speak about a lot on the Midas yes. Touch podcast. There's nothing conservative about the current Republican Party. Nothing. To me, if you're conservative, all. conserving nature would be part of being conservative, right? right. I mean, to me, that's, that, that's a no-brainer. Eddie Roosevelt. Exactly. Eddie Roosevelt was, um, was amazing on envir- most environmental issues. And he was a Republican last time I checked. So again, I think uh, consumers, you know, um, for example, I was the first Republican to sue uh, big tobacco and was very involved in that. I was one of the negotiators of of our uh, settlement, um, which is the biggest settlement in history. Well, you're a Republican. Why would you sue big tobacco? Why wouldn't I? The law is the law. The law is a Republican or Democrat. The law is the law. And these people were the biggest tort feasers in the history of the world, as I told them to their face. <laughs> and, uh, and they needed to pay, and they, and they paid. Um, so, again, I, don't, I think you can be pro-consumer and pro-business. I, just as an example, I, I went to all the car dealers here in Arizona, because consumer issues are very important to me, big or small. I said, we're going to start cracking down on, on car dealers who continually mislead people, because it's the second biggest purchase that people make. Yeah, not a Republican or Democrat issue. It's not. Fraud is bad. And I had to persuade them that this is in the interest of the honest car dealer, right? It's hard for you to compete against people who are cheating people, who have false advertising, who lure people in and then switch to something else. And and I'll tell you, the the top dealers were supportive of that. And uh, so you could persuade them. So I'm going on and on. But in civil rights, let me give you one example. I think you'll find this interesting. So I vowed to myself that as a candidate and as attorney general, I would mention and talk about civil rights in every speech I gave. That's something because that's a lot. okay? but I didn't want to be one of these guys who goes in front of, uh, uh, you know, Chicanos por la causa and uh, says one thing. And then you go to the Sun City Republican Club and you don't bring it up, you know. So how do you bring it up? How do you talk about it in front of the Republican club in Sun City? I'll tell you how, how. And I'm not saying I had massive breakthroughs, but I had some breakthroughs. Uh, What I would say to them is what I said to you is that we're just talking about the constitution. We're talking about treating people fairly, treating people equally. And so I would say to them this though, this is all retirees, old people. If I come back here in a couple of months, you're not going to be a different race 
<laughs> you probably won't be a different gender, probably won't be a different sexual orientation, but something may change. Maybe you'll have, have had a stroke. Maybe your wife or your husband will have had a stroke. Maybe you had a fall. Now you're in a wheelchair. That happens. It happens. We know that. It happens to your neighbors. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm asking you this. Think about that now. If, two months from now, three months from now, if that has happened to you, how would you want people to treat you? Would you want them to treat you specially? I don't think so. But would you want them not to discriminate against you because of the fact that now you, ha you walk differently or you're, you're physically impaired in some way? You would say, no, treat me the same. That's what we're talking about in civil rights, regardless of the category. And I'm telling you, these are people who were raised at a time when, you know, they're suspicious of civil rights, frankly. And, uh, you know, we weren't too good on that in this country. So they're a tough crowd. But when you put it in that context, they started saying, yeah, okay, I can see that. Uh, that's what we're talking about. So then when we, when they we would announce it, well, we went to an apartment complex and we sent in a white couple. We sent in a Hispanic couple. We sent in a mother, single mother with a bunch of kids. And we saw whether they were treated differently. And many, many times they were. And then we would prosecute those people. To me, that's important work. But, but again, it's not Republican or Democratic work. It's just we need people who are out there fighting for the little guy. And the attorney general is very, very well situated to do that. The rest is mostly bullshit when you hear people say that. The attorney general can do it if you have the right attorney. Right. Grant, when I hear you speak, when I hear your beliefs, you know, I, I sort of see a, a bit of a paradox within yourself, um, you running as a Republican and having all these incredible progressive beliefs. The same way I look at Arizona, I see a, a paradox of a state that's becoming more and more blue. Mm -hmm. However, it also is the epicenter, as Ben and you were talking about, of just the most extreme, craziest factions of the Republican Party out there. How do you explain that? Is it the last gasps of a dying Republican Party and they're doing everything they can to maintain power as they see a more diverse Arizona blossoming? What? Where is it coming from? Why is Arizona so polarized like that? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it's complicated. So let me give you a few, just a few thoughts. One is it's difficult to get people involved in politics, like really involved at the precinct level. Okay, so I was John's first chief of staff. He, we would go to these meetings and we would come out and he would be like, oh, I guess I shouldn't say this, but I mean, he'd be like, what a bunch of nuts. I mean, we got to take over this thing. Yeah. And I said, well, how are we going to take over? And he goes, well, we get all of our friends, get all of everyone and you know, they got to go to these meetings and they get elected and all that. I said, John, that's not going to work. If I get all my friends, I was 28 at the time, if I get all my friends to go to a meeting at Saturday morning at the Republican Club, that'll be the last meeting they go to. You know, <laughs> they were singing songs that the lyrics were like Kissinger's a communist, stuff like that. I'm like, wow. No, no one's interested in that. So you get people who don't have anything better to do, frankly, and the people who do have something better to do have, you know, full lives, they will not go to those meetings. So that's always been a problem. That's number one. Number two, the, the country club Republicans, the Chamber of Commerce Republicans um, in Arizona, I would say, for the most part, not on every issue, but for the most part, and in the United States, for the most part, have been willing to turn a blind eye to a lot of this for too long. They haven't been willing to step up as much as I believe they should and say and call bullshit on these people 
that they know they're nuts. They say they're nuts. They know this is wrong. They know this hurts democracy. But Arizona just passed, in essence, a flat tax over the will of the voters at the last uh, election. And so uh, a lot of people at the top do very well with those sort of policies. So it's kind of like, you know, what's wrong with Kansas in that book? They're willing to put up with a lot if they get their economic breaks and their pocketbook breaks. And that's that's too bad. Then you have the phenomenon that that in Arizona, many people have left the Republican Party and probably the majority that have left have gone to the independent ranks. So where that leads you is this. Where do we go from here? I believe if you have two centrist candidates, it's always been true in Arizona in my lifetime. If you have a centrist candidate in one party and a more extreme candidate in the other party, the centrist will win every time. That's how you got me. That's how you got Janet. That's how you got Terry Goddard. That's how you got people like this. And that's how you got Kirsten Cinema. McSally was a um, you know Trumper. And that's how you got Mark Kelly. McSally was a Trumper. Save okay. for Trump in 2016. Yeah. So so the question is in my mind has always been, what if you have two centrists running? And I don't know the answer to that. I think it, in the past it it would be I would say the Republican could win would win. It leans Republican. But now I'm going to say maybe not because this is so embarrassing and so much chaos that the independent vote and the McCain Republican vote with a a solid centrist Democrat will go that way. I think independents look at this right now as a clown show in the Republican Party and they see it as extremism out front and it's it's very real. And then you look at the work of somebody like President Biden, who's incredibly steady in his leadership, who now physically, you know, you are feeling it by, oh, I'm going back to work. Look, I got this check in the mail. Like those are real, tangible, positive things. People are seeing their families, et cetera. I mean, this is this is important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You famously uh, gave a eulogy to John McCain, with whom you've worked with and and talked about. Um, And I'm just curious, you know, knowing him, being close to him, what do you think he would think about the transformation of his friend, Lindsey Graham, with whom he was so close with, and just where the Republican Party, how quickly it has fallen since he's passed? Yeah. Lindsey, in the final months there, John's life, you know, Lindsey was already, he'd already done his move towards Trump. So I did get to talk to John about that. I was never a Lindsey Graham fan. John traveled with Graham and with um, Joe Lieberman. And so I got to know both of them a little bit. And I love Lieberman. And I could see that connection for sure, because Lieberman's just one of the great people I've ever met. He's just super. And then Graham, I couldn't, I never saw that. Uh, I think John thought he was funny. And I didn't. Uh, I thought he was corny. And um, I think the answer is, I don't think John, well, I'm pretty sure of this. I don't think he would have been surprised because I think what he saw was that Lindsay's life revolves around a perception of self-importance and a perception that he's at the center of things, center of the action, and that he's a player. And so that was through McCain forever. And then he quickly jumped over and then it was through Trump. And so basically, I, I you know, which is the real Lindsey Graham? I don't think there is one. I think it's, um, he's transactional, just like, uh, 
just like Trump. So he's, I, he's a chameleon wherever he he's could, a chameleon. Yeah. Where, whoever he could latch on to and blend in with who he's going to get attention for. That's that's, that's correct. That's what I see there as far as now, what would he have done about it if he was still in the Senate and all that? I don't think that would have happened. I don't I think Graham would have had a much more difficult time in life because he everyone knows John McCain said exactly what he thought and uh, behind closed doors and and elsewhere. And so that would have been a tough one for Graham. I don't think he would have sucked up to Trump uh, like he did. And if he did, he would have been called out. McCain uh, and Trump uh, is that's a very interesting dynamic. I watched that up close and personal. And I'll have to tell you, McCain really didn't spend hardly any time thinking about Trump or worrying about Trump or any of that. And he, he, he called it as he saw it. And uh, he thought Trump was an asshole and he thought he was an idiot. And if he spent any time on it, it was in trying not to say that publicly <laughs> as much as he thought it. Because people ask me when Trump first called out McCain and said he wasn't a hero because he got shot down. Yep. I heard about that. I, I called John. We talked about it. It did not bother him a bit. I mean, not a bit. He wasn't like pissed for five seconds and then got over it. It did not bother him a bit because he had such little respect. He had no respect for Donald Trump anyway. I talked to him two other times that afternoon. And um, then it started bugging him and pissing him off. And the reason was, I think he might have heard from a couple of his POW buddies. And these are all old guys. And it's one thing for John McCain, where he was, to go, yeah, who cares? But for these guys, frankly, their, you know, their identity, their life was wrapped up in being a POW. So then to have someone nationally say, hey, you're not a hero, that's all, yeah. that's all bogus. That wasn't right to put a put an 80 year old guy through that at that point in time, because they are heroes. And I, I'd never heard anyone say differently. So I guess to answer your question, I think McCain would have he was a Republican. Like when I would I was famous for endorsing Democrats all the time. By the way, I endorsed a couple of Republicans in the last election locally. And Democrats were like, why? Wait a minute. What? You can't do that. Oh, yeah. It was very popular with them for a long time. I did, you know, who cares? I had this crazy idea. I'm going to support the best candidate. Not just the guy in my own party. I know. You what, a, know. what a concept. What a concept. You know, and, and I, I actually I, I articulated in this national magazine printed at one time. Uh, it was like, OK, Thomas Jefferson is running against Kim Kardashian and I'm in the Kardashians party. I have to vote for Kim Kardashian. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I know when that was. That's when I, I endorsed. You think it was an absurd comparison, but you're literally seeing that in California right now. <laughs> you are. Yes, a Kardashian like, it, sound, it sounds outrageous, but it's actually what's going on in California. Totally. And I, I think I would prefer Kim Kardashian to, to Caitlyn Jenner because Caitlyn seems... I don't know what's going on there, but that's a whole, that's a conversation for, for another day. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> hey, Grant, switching gears slightly here in the last five to seven years, uh, how would you say your news habits, your news consumption habits have maybe changed? I imagine, you know, being as close to McCain as you were being in the Republican party, you're a Fox news watcher, or at least you were. 
No. What, what are you watching now? Where are you grabbing your news from? Am I wrong in my assumption? Should I apologize to you immediately? A big head shake as Jordy asked the question. A big uh, uh, uh. No, you got to remember where I was coming from. So, uh, no, I mean, I endorsed Hillary. I, vo- I uh, voted for Kerry. So, yeah. Uh, and I and I love Barack Obama. I, we just had the, you know, I had the misfortune that my guy was, you can imagine of my, all my civil rights work and then Barack Obama runs like, oh my, you gotta be kidding me. This is not right. But you know, one of my close friends was the Republican nominee. Um, so yeah, I, I had, I respect all the Democrats who at, at, have been at the top for some time. Um, no, I never watched Fox period. I can't do it. And I try now uh, just to, you know, see what they're talking about. For I try, I say, I'm going to watch for 10 minutes. I've never lasted 10 minutes. I can't do it. <laughs> I cannot do it. Maybe one minute max. I really can't stand these people. So um, uh, I, I guess my, the difference has been, you know, I get most of my news uh, either uh, online from a variety of sources. I do listen to podcasts. Um, I had my own podcast, you know, I had my own radio show when I was attorney general for a long time. And it was, it was, it was great. I mean, we, it was an amazing show that we did. We did it weekly. And so then some guys came to me in the early two thousands with the idea of a podcast and uh, we did it. And uh, uh, you know, it was fun. We had like 5,000 regular listeners, which I doesn't sound like much, but I'm telling you, it was like, that was a lot because we spent our entire time telling people what a podcast was. And it's like, they're like, well, how do I listen to it? Remember, this is like, I don't know when it was, early 2000s. And I, that was a nightmare. So because people just didn't use it. And uh, so we were ahead of our time there. But but podcasts, I think, are great. They're, it's a fantastic way to be more in-depth on on issues and and to really hear hear what people have to say. Um, I, on, I don't watch the evening news. You know, my wife was a TV anchor. While I was attorney general, that was interesting. She was a, a, a main anchor, so she didn't read my stories. But um, that used to be a big deal in the 80s and 90s, who was the local news anchor and also who was the national news anchor. And now uh, you, no one even cares. You know, they, they, They've gone in, in Arizona, a rating, they might have had a rating of 12, 15, 16. Now the top one will have a rating of two. Yeah. You know, because people don't just, hey, I got to turn into the six o'clock news. It doesn't happen anymore. So that's out. The local newspaper, um, you know, I read it online. I I don't have them deliver it. I just read it online. So I I think things are changing uh, for sure. I've I've changed with that. I tried to, I did watch, um, uh, I I, I flipped over to the first time I'd ever seen Newsmax. And I did it because I wanted to see Trump's tired act for as long as I could stand it. And um, I did see a few of those goobers looking up in the sky. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're looking at on. the loser Palooza plane. And I remember, Grant, we were in the courtroom about a few months ago. Yeah. And I think you had brought something up related about Midas Touch. And I had said, you know, that's that's me. That's what yeah, that's I didn't mean. Yeah, <laughs> I said, I said, that's me and that's my brothers. So funny. Who, 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 oh, my gosh. I didn't know no that idea. No, and I've been following you guys forever. And I said, Grant, we're going to have to get you on the Midas Touch podcast. And as you said, Grant, the reason why we like this podcast format is because 
you know, in the news, you have the 30 second sound bites and you have the journalists with agendas who ask the leading question and then hear themselves talk more than the guests. And we love speaking to people like you who can educate our you know, audience about these issues where we could shut up and hear from people who have gone through these incredible experiences um, yeah. that you did. And so I thank you for coming on the Midas Touch podcast today on a holiday Monday. I thank you for being my colleague on uh, that and other cases to come. Yeah. And uh, we appreciate all of your fight and activism here at Midas Touch. Thank well, can you. Can I just say, I know, I just say this to, um, to everybody. Um, it's always been important to be involved and I've stayed involved my whole life, but I think things are different now as we speak here, right after July 4th in 2021. I think this is the first, look, whether you were for Bush or Gore, Bush or Kerry or McCain or Obama, the, the country is going to be in, the country is going to be okay. We, you know, we took control of the House and the Senate, barely. We've got, a, I think, a, a, a fantastic president. And yet, I, I think for the first time, people are really challenge, challenging the, the basics of our democracy. And they're, they're being successful at it um, in changing the rules and the laws. So uh, it's going to take people like ourselves and people who listen to your podcast to say, no, uh, we're not, we are busy people, as I said before. But we're going to have to find time in our lives to, to spend time on these issues so that we win and they lose. And this will pass. This kind of virus going through the country of anti-democracy or win at all costs, yep. basically fascism. Uh, it will pass if we're successful, if we just beat them. And so we, we got to fight it. And, you know, I have Kirsten Cinema in my state, Joe Manchin's in West Virginia. I think we should get rid of the filibuster. It's an archaic rule. It makes no sense. It's anti-democratic in my view. But we certainly need to get rid of it for voting rights. Because that's that's the that's the real challenge to our democracy right now. It's everything. We win when people get a fair shot at it. But if they rig the system, it's hard to win. So I just urge people to. Uh, I know we feel like we need it. We deserve a break, but it's not a time for a break. It's a time to step it up. If it's anything else. Grant Woods, former Arizona Attorney General, thank you for joining the Midas Touch podcast. We will be right back after these messages. What's up, Midas Mighty? We've got new merch in the merch store. Brett, tell them about it. New merch line. This is in addition to the hit lines, Club Democracy, Vax and Relax. We now have two amazing new designs in case you haven't seen them yet. We got the It Wasn't Rigged, You're Just a Loser shirt. Fan favorite. Fan, totally Everyone's a fan favorite. It. I am loving it. And it's just my favorite like graphic to see all the time. It just makes me smile to see that phrase because it is so true. And today we are announcing the Midas Touch for the people line. We got a for the people tea. We got for the people mugs. We got for the people totes. So get yours today at store.midastouch.com and keep sending pictures of you rocking your Midas Touch pro-democracy gear. We love to see it. Thank you so much for all your support. That's store.midastouch.com. Let's go! Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Great interview with Grant Woods. I may be actually headed to Arizona Ooh. soon and seeing Grant Woods. I may 
broadcast can you, can live. You, can you apologize for like I, he was definitely offended when I called him a Fox News watcher. I was just curious. I, you know, he was a Republican, McCain. I thought at one you know point he, he was in that circle. Straight, Jordy. He, he did. He did. But straight. Ben and Grant, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I offended you with my question. <laughs> sounds sounds good. But who's not offending anybody right now or just defending the GQP is President Biden. President Biden. I'm not sure if you saw the recent Washington Post ABC poll. Biden's handling of the coronavirus pandemic enjoys very strong support about where you would expect it to be. Um, 62 percent approval, 31 percent disapproval. And I say exactly where you imagine it to be is because we've always talked about that 30 to 31 percent number. Um, That's the GQP. That's the GQP quotient. We'll call it that just exists in the United States. That's the question that if Joe Biden cured cancer himself, they'd be against it. Like there's no there's no real budging that 31 percent. You can't move that 31 percent. And it's actually when you go back to when Hillary Clinton was hot miked um, and she referred to a certain percentage of people like she pretty much had the percentage nailed down um, to <laughs> she really did have the percentage nailed. She down. was right about everything. If you go back and listen to every single statement, Hillary was right about everything and calling them deplorables was not far enough. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. But, you know, now they've formed their own GQP cult and. um you know, so we we pretty much know who they are. They're out of their basement. They're uh, wearing uh, a Trump six pack T-shirts and, uh, and and just being beyond. They all look the same. I mean, when you see them at uh, when you see them at the rally, they all look like they're like brothers, sisters and cousins. Like they literally <laughs> look like wow. the same human being. They're all the same person. They're just different fonts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're different fonts of, <laughs> uh, of, of miserable white supremacist, angry human. Um, so there's also good news, though, on the economic front. The Congressional Budget Office just doubled its GDP projections for 2021 from, get this, from 3.7% to 7.4%. Now, 3.7% would be something to be happy about. 3.7 GDP growth is good, steady economic growth. 7.4 is, is you know, I would don't want to use the word boom, but it's pretty close to an economic boom um, is what I would say. The Biden economy added 850,000 jobs in June, surpassing expectations. And Biden's created... Like literally in the first five months and Trump, Biden had to deal with Trump's fuck ups. So Biden's numbers are even like multiples of what they even come out to. Trump was dealing with the Obama boom and the Obama growth. And so literally Trump could just basically do nothing and he would have accrued the numbers that he did. Kind of like his whole uh, life with his finances. He could have just done nothing and he would be financially in better shape. But instead, he got to, had to inject himself and go bankrupt a million times and, and lose it. Yeah. And, and the first five <laughs> months Trump office, thanks to Obama, there was about 894 new jobs created. In Biden's five months, 3,230,000 or 3,023,000 um, uh, jobs created. So essentially more than, you know, close to 2 million, 2.5 million more jobs were created. Here's, you know, everybody who speaks about, you know, all the Trumpers who go, oh, well, 
before the pandemic, the Trump economy was roaring. Like you, you hear that often. You hear that argument before the pandemic. First of all, yeah, you can't negate an entire year of fucking up. Like that's a ridiculous. Yeah, until like uh, we totally ignored the crisis that was coming our way and uh, destroyed the economy. Uh, everything was going great, but that narrative isn't even accurate to begin with. I mean, Trump the whole time was promising six percent GDP growth a year. I think for those first few years he was at two percent or less GDP growth per year. At, when you got to 2019, 2020, by February of 2020, before the pandemic even hit the United States of America, experts said that we had already entered a Trump recession. So we had entered a recession under Trump before his mishandling and malicious handling of the pandemic took down the economy. And Joe Biden deserves a lot of credit for bringing the economy back. It's not just about the virus disappearing. The virus just didn't disappear like a miracle like Trump said it would. No, Biden took serious action to distribute these vaccines and get them to every American possible, every American who was willing to receive it. And the results are in the numbers. And I'm telling you that if we had a President Trump right now, this Delta variant, which is spreading at an incredibly rapid pace, would have brought our economy back to a standstill. It would have devastated our country. We'd probably be in the millions of deaths right now. We'd be looking like the worst countries out there. So we are lucky and I am thankful as hell that we have President Biden who came in and and actually led on this issue and brought the economy back. We also have Republican senators now and Republican lawmakers urging Biden to end Trump's initiated trade war. Group of Republican lawmakers asked Biden to end the self-inflicted harm that his GOP predecessor Donald Trump caused in starting a multi-front trade war with China and our European allies. Seven Republican senators sent a letter to the White House asking Biden to repeal the tariffs and other trade barriers that Trump implemented during his time in office, affecting a wide range of industries, including agriculture, car makers and manufacturers. Quote, an important first step would be to reduce barriers to trade with our allies. By doing so, we can stop damaging actions and retaliation in men relationships while listening to businesses across the country that have suffered the negative economic consequences of this. I mean, Trump just fucked everything up. Let's just kind of some like summarize it like <laughs> like Trump did everything wrong. And with him in power for four more years, there would have just been a type of economic depression um, that and sickness and I think the destruction of our country. I mean, I think I think it's that simple. Um, I think that America could not survive with Donald Trump. And he's one of the most dangerous people, if not the most dangerous person walking around planet Earth right now, period, full stop. I mean, you know, when he he wants what him and his minions want is a insurrection that works. They would want to overthrow the United States. Um, They need to be taken seriously, um, but they need to be exposed and called out at every turn. I mean, and we just see the, the the stakes out here. I mean, the Trump rallies, all of this just feeds into the Russian propaganda that's out there. And I'm not sure if you saw some of the 
report uh, this week, but it really talked about how the Russian strategy is really the same strategy as the GQP. In fact, we, it appears that the GQP takes its instructions from uh, Russia at this point. Um, and this whole idea of, you know, anti-woke and um, critical race theory, you know, and white supremacy at, at its core there, I mean, is kind of Russia talking points festering into, um, you know, Fox News, festering into right wing TikTok and right wing social media and, um, you know, Russia portraying itself as like the anti-woke capital of the world out of Moscow. This was one of the craziest reads. It's that not only are the messages of Russia and the Republican Party in sync, but Russia is using this whole anti-woke ideology of the right wing ecosystem in America to try to get people to move to Russia. It's kind of their pitch. Like, do you want your freedom to be an asshole? Do you want freedom to hate other people? Come to Russia. <laughs> Come to Russia. We, you could do you could say crazy shit. You could do what you want. You could be racist. You could be homophobic. You could be transphobic. Do it all in Russia. That is legitimately the Russian campaign right now to try to get right wing Americans to move to their country. I just keep thinking about that photo that was going around at some Trump rally with the two GQP Trumpians who they were wearing the shirt that said, I'd rather be a Russian than a Democrat. And by the way, hat tip Ruth Bengi out here. She was on the show like a couple episodes ago, and she kind of laid this all out like well before the story was even written, talking about how her family, you know, is overseas and how they kind of get sucked into Russian TV and all the propaganda and lined up how exactly the overlaps of Russian TV and Fox News and, you know, sort of play hand in hand. And I want to give a big shout out here to Julia Davis from the Daily Beast who wrote this article. The article's called Russia Targets Fox News Fans and Bid to Become the World's Anti-Woke Capital. The Kremlin and its staunchest loyalists are touting Russia as a politically incorrect utopia, something they think Western conservatives can't resist. So after, going, after listening to the podcast, I'd tell everyone, read this article by Julia Davis and share it with your family, um, share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues. There was once a time where America stood up against our adversaries like Russia. Now we have a political party in the Republican Party and their allies who are inviting our enemies in and promoting our enemies over American democracy. And that's what's at stake here. And that's why when you heard the Grant Woods interview, like that's that, that's the way politics used to be in many ways. Like Grant was, yes, he was a Republican. And I guess he may have had some business Republican views, but ultimately he went to, he would recognize like there was still crazy people back then, like when he was the attorney general, but he was like, yo, these are crazy people. Um, and he recognized, look, normal people don't want to go to like all of these meetings every time and like just deal with all these nutcases who literally, you know, talk about all these crazy stuff all the time. But at the end of the day, those voices were muted. 
now those voices are elevated as who the Republican Party is. So I think it's good for this article to come this uh, this article to come out, but it's also good for this podcast to come full circle and tie in the Grant Woods interview, where we are as a country, why we are at Loser Palooza, why we are having our plane fly over Loser Palooza, and reminding them and the nation that these are losers. Go back to your basement, losers, and get out of our democracy. Go to Russia. I think we could start a GoFundMe for that. Send everyone who Russia is targeting to send Russia. Send the 31% to Russia. Go, yeah, right, send the 31% right. to Russia. Become a anti-woke utopia. Have fun, and we will do the hard work of getting things done and helping people and yeah, being yeah. a good society that cares for one another. Hey, guys, we got some good emails this weekend, though. Entire- GDP is smaller than many of our states, you know, many of our mid-sized states in the United States. So don't act like this is the, you know, that they've nailed it in Russia. Okay. They've got poverty. They've got some incredible economic strife. Um, But what they do have, what apparently attracts uh, GQP members is white supremacy over there. And that's just unabashedly what they advocate to the world. Hate mail, fellas. Let's conclude the podcast with some hate mail. We knew when we flew over Loser Palooza with the Loser Palooza sign that we would get the hate mail. Jordy even tweeted, I can't wait to see our mail. We probably have gotten dozens, hundreds of of crazy letters threatening to kill us. Um, <laughs> some fun. funny, some scary. Oh, Brett, yeah. you want to share some of the... Brett and Jordy, why don't you share a sample of some yeah, of the ones? Yeah, sure. That we- and I'll just say, once again, this is email sent to us. We do not endorse any of the words used in these emails. Um, and They're all homophobic. They all Extremely female, homophobic, yeah. They're all like, very homophobic and very sexualized. They always involve... Yeah. Um, like so sex acts and particularly homosexual sex acts are usually the criticisms directed at us, but they're always very sexual. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. That is the one consistency kind of between all the emails that we get. You're absolutely right. Bad uh, and spelling mistakes. One, yeah. Here's one from Christopher Pierce. Uh, subject is three of the stupidest pieces of shit on the face of the fucking <laughs> planet. Uh, you know, that caught my attention this morning when I woke up and, uh, and that was the t- at the top of my inbox. And uh, he's got a way with words, Christopher. He said, you do know that Donald J. Trump is one of the richest motherfuckers in the United States, right? Without a thought or even a dent in his wallet, he could make the three of you vanished off the face of this fucking planet without a fucking trace laughing my ass off, dot, dot, dot. You think Donald J. Trump is not coming for the three of you motherfuckers and everything you love? Be in the ex-president of the United States. I think he meant being the ex-president, but he spelled it B-E space I-N space T-H-E. And then he wrote like the letter ex-president. Be in the ex-president of the United States. It comes with certain immunities. All he has to to deem the three of you as a national security threat. The black sites your ass and no one will ever hear from you again. I look forward to seeing your missing person posters sent for my iPhone. I don't think he typed this. I think he's spoken into his phone and that's why the spelling is the way it is on here. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, or it's from Russia. Um, (laughs) But yeah. I'll read Christopher Knight's Knight's, uh, subject Green Party. Not sure why, but subject Green Party. 
Uh, y'all are some bitches working <laughs> for the NWO, sucking these for fun with like a surfboard emoji. Hang loose. Hang loose. Hang, hang loose emoji. And I don't know why so, the subject was Green Party. I'm not sure why it was Green Party, but uh, NWO I think stands for New World Daughter. Maybe. Let me Can do Nancy. Action JR? Yeah, yeah. Let me do Nancy uh, Gritos. So her subject line is disgusting. You just called thousands of people losers. Stereotyping people is horrible. Just because someone has different beliefs than you doesn't mean they're losers. Your organization should be ashamed of yourselves. Well, Nancy, you're losers simply because you're attending a GQP loser rally. We're not stereotyping a mass group of people for the sake of stereotyping them. You're literally a loser, Nancy. Yeah, it's just yeah, you're at a rally by somebody who lost whining about the loss. I mean, just think about it like this way. Imagine like when you go to uh, like the uh, the World Series, uh, the World Series champion, right? Like, let's say the, the baseball team that loses the World Series. If they were to go and have their own parade, that's hilarious. That would be called the loser parade. <laughs> yeah, right. Just like, yeah, you're a bunch of losers. Like, there would be the winner championship parade. parade. Yeah, the winner parade would be the team that won, and the loser parade would be the team that lost. And if the team that lost spent the entire parade whining about why they should have won, and someone said, "This is loser paradeville." I would think that was an apt name for the loser parade at the end at, at the end of the day. So we don't throw the parades for the losers and the losers themselves don't throw their own parades for themselves. Like it's it's doubly loserish if that's the case. And it's funny. And I'll just close with this random thought. You know, it's always these GQP people who complain about like the participation trophies and all of that. But at the end of the day, this is like Trump just wants the biggest participation trophy in the world. I ran. I ran <laughs> for it and I should have won. But, you know, it's the biggest whiny fest in the world. But, you know, there are people who are like, don't give that any attention. But I think when we talk to somebody like a Grant Woods, what we see at the end of the day is. There is an intelligent, hardworking, non-political, but very normal group of people in America who don't necessarily care whether they're which political party. They, they just want results. They want normalcy and they want a better country. And be, the Democrats are the party that's delivering that right now. And I think the more they see this vaudeville crazy loser palooza act out there and everybody knowing that's loser palooza no one wants to go to loser palooza but losers at the end of the day and that's important to highlight it's important to to show and it's important to expose that thank you very much to grant woods for joining us um, on a holiday as our guest thank you all for tuning in to the midas touch podcast thank you all for supporting us there's been so much coverage about the loser palooza plane and all our other efforts and it's really thanks to you our Midas mighty uh, listeners our Midas mighty followers thank you so much for buying the Midas touch merch at store.midastouch.com remember to go to stamps.com with that promo code Midas we appreciate you and we'll see you 
end of this week on the next episode of the Midas Touch Podcast. Shout out to the Midas Midas!